At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. So last week, I said Jesus initially called these four guys, Andrew, Peter, James, and John. He said, follow me, and I'll teach you how to fish for men. Follow me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of people. I want you to follow me. And we talked about how it was a struggle for them, right? And after three years, you would think there's no way that that could be a struggle. And so today, I kind of want to do a part two of that conversation, because I've been thinking this week about how it wasn't just a struggle in the first century. It's a struggle today, isn't it? It's a struggle today to continue to talk about Jesus and to share the gospel, the good news. And I think then you pause and you say, well, why? Like, why do we struggle with this? Why did they struggle with it in the first century? Well, the Word of God's actually going to show us. And I think that what we're going to see is we had this way where we think we know who Jesus is. But what we're really looking for is we're trying to make Jesus be whatever it is we want him to be. Does that make sense? Maybe this will make more sense. We don't, because we don't do this with anyone else. Like we look at Barry Sanders and say he used to be a football player with the Lions, like great running back. And we judge him on that, you know. We look at uh, Mozart. He did music. And we judge him on music. And we look at Rembrandt. Rembrandt painted. That's what he did. We don't try to make him be something else. He was a painter. Amelia Earhart, she flew airplanes till she disappeared, right? And so Amelia Earhart, she, she's an airplane flyer. That's what she does. But with Jesus, you know what we do? With Jesus, it's almost like that game where you lay down and you look at the puffy clouds. And you go, that one looks like, well, to me, it kind of looks like Snoopy. And that one, to me, looks kind of like an ice cream cone. It's not another diet talk, but that just everything looks like ice cream to me, you know? And so that one looks like an ice cream cone. And I think sometimes what we do is we look at Jesus and we try to force Jesus to fit the context that we want. We don't look at who Jesus really is. We don't look at what Scripture says about Jesus I love what C.S. Lewis said about this whole topic. C.S. Lewis, he wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, right? Chronicles of Narnia, which is kind of famous. He's also a famous theologian. And he said this. Here's the nice version. There's two versions of the same quote. You can go back and read later this afternoon the other version. But he says, Jesus could not have possibly been just a moral teacher. He couldn't have. Could not have been a moral teacher. Jesus was either a lunatic Like, he he was crazy. Jesus was a liar, biggest liar the world's ever seen. Or he is who he says he is. He's the son of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is Lord. You see, in the first century, what they were waiting for is the same thing we wait for. Jesus, we want you to come in and be what we want. We want you to take away the sickness. We don't want this COVID stuff anymore. Jesus, we want you to take away the racial tensions that our world's facing. Jesus, I want you to take care of the tensions in my family. I want you to take care of stuff in Lansing or Washington. Boy, that'd be nice. I want, you to, I want you to take care of all this turmoil that's in the world today. And the reality is Jesus came to seek out and save that which was lost. He came to rescue us. Take your Bibles. Let's open up to John chapter 12. John chapter 12 verse 9 is where I'm going to be. John 12, 9 through 19 is where we're going to be. As we look at this big idea that Jesus isn't always what we think we want, but he's exactly what we need. He is Lord. Listen to that last part again. Jesus is exactly what we need. He is Lord. So I'm going to start reading John chapter 12, 
starting in verse 9. I'm going to read the whole, um, the whole text this morning, and then we'll spend some time examining it together. Verse 9, John says this. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard that he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you're gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. All right, church, let's go back to verse 9 just for a moment. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. I think what happens sometimes when you go to share the gospel, when you go to share the good news, you know that people have already organized in their brain their thoughts on the Lord, right? Here's my arguments against God. Here's my complaints. Here's my frustrations. Here's my questions. We do that, don't we? We organize all of our thoughts on God. In fact, when you came in this morning, before I started to preach, maybe you did a very similar thing this morning. Well, we'll see what this bald-headed guy has to say. You know, you, you get this going in your brain. You get this conversation going. This is awesome, though, because this is the dead guy coming back to life when Lazarus came out of the tomb. This, to me, is the moment that changed everything. This was the moment that changed everything. Now, you guys know I love history. I love it. And so I try to think sometimes, like, what... What are those moments where I would have loved to have been in the crowd? Like, would have loved it. Like when President Reagan, when he stood there and he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Woo! Right? That's audacious. Who does that? Right? That's a president standing on the world stage looking at the Russian leader saying, it's, there is a wall dividing this city into east and west, and I'm done with it. Let's tear it down. Let's tear down this wall of division. I'm over, right? I would have loved to have seen it. Like, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. Like, that is awesome. That is so awesome. I would love to have been there. Or when Dr. King said, I have a dream, and I don't mean when he said it in D.C. I mean the first time he said it in Detroit. Like, look at that picture. He's in Detroit. That's the first time that he ever used that speech. It was right here in our city. And so if you were there, or if you have a friend or family member who was there, and you have like an actual photo, I would love to see it, and I'd love to hear the story, because all I have is Google images. I would love your pictures instead. Like, I'd really like to see it. But I'm just thinking, man, this, this is a speech that still inspires and encourages today. Like, this this would have been awesome to hear for the first time. But neither one of those compared to this moment. Put yourself in that crowd that day. You're at a funeral service. People are crying. 
They're telling stories about Lazarus. They're having a hard time. And Jesus shows up. Here we go, puffy cloud moment. You think to yourself, well, Jesus is late. He's not late. He got there right when he meant to get there, right? But sometimes that's what we think. Why, Jesus, I want you to do it my way. And as Jesus is looking at the crowd, we see that Jesus is also moved. He starts to cry. Shortest verse in the whole Bible, Jesus wept, and it was at this funeral. And so he's there, and all of a sudden you notice there's this hush that falls over the crowd. Can you imagine this moment? As you hear the voice of Jesus say, Lazarus, come forth. And all of a sudden when the dead man gets up and starts to walk out of that tomb, don't you know that any argument you had in your brain is gone because it doesn't matter. Everything that you thought, and I'm telling you, as followers of Jesus, we would be shaken to the core in that moment. When you see face-to-face this man who with the sound of his voice has the power over death, it would shake you. It would absolutely shake you. But the thing is, is not everyone in the crowd that day liked what they saw. In fact, what we see is we see in verse 10 that the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Meaning like Jesus and Lazarus. Like we're going to kill them both. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away believing in Jesus. Maybe you're sitting there going, well, why? Why were they that mad about it? Puffy clouds. That's why. Jesus, we have this image of what the Messiah is and you're not it. In fact, you're challenging everything about our faith. You're, cha- you're challenging everything about what we believe and the, the way we do things. And we want to shut you up for good. 2,000 years later, we, we do the same thing. I mean, maybe you're not violent with it. But here's what we do is we have our thoughts on, well, here's, here's who the Lord is. Here's how I think the Lord ought to respond to something. And you open up the Word and you start to read. And as you start to read, you read something and you go, oh, Oh, no, the Lord doesn't always arrange his ways with my ways, does he? He doesn't always do everything the way I want. And you read something challenging. What happens in your insides when you read that thing that you say, this doesn't line up with what I want God to do? How do you respond? You see, the the Pharisees and these chief priests, they got so angry here. They got so mad, but it didn't, didn't stop Jesus, and it didn't stop these crowds. They started to shout out Hosanna, and they started to wave palm branches, didn't they? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. This church, this is a greeting that was set aside for kings. 2 Kings chapter 9, right? This is a greeting that was set aside for for the elite and all of Israel, and they're shouting this out for Jesus. And yet, less than a week later, what did they shout? Crucify him. We don't even like saying that, do we? Crucify him. That's what they said. Why? Puffy clouds. Jesus, you have the power with your voice over death. You have the power over death. You're going to come in, Jesus, and it's going to be awesome because we are looking for someone to make our politics right. We need our political system fixed, Jesus, and you're the one. Jesus, we need someone who's going to be this warrior, power over death. Rome doesn't stand a chance. We need someone to send the Romans on the run. We are tired of them occupying our country. Jesus, you can do this. We're looking to you as king. They're looking at him like, like King David, right? They want this warrior king is what they want. And yet, what does Jesus do? He gets up on a donkey. He gets up on a donkey. Now, church, we have the complete word of God. And so we know that we can go to the book of Zechariah 
And we can see this is a prophecy that was made generations before the coming of Jesus. Generations before the coming of Jesus, this prophecy was made. But the disciples, verse 16, did not understand these things at first. They didn't get it. And can I just tell you, we wouldn't get it either. Think about it. You're standing there, and you're watching, and Jesus, the one with power over death, gets up on a donkey. That's not what we want. We don't want that. We want something spectacular, don't we? I talked about this last week. We want, we want Jesus getting up on that horse like George Washington did, but I got the picture this time. Right? That's what we want. We want the big horse muscles popping, right? We, Jesus, enter into Jerusalem like that. Or Prince Ali. Prince Ali is what we want. That's it. That, because when you raise the dead guy back to life, you can ride on an elephant. You can. So isn't this what we want? We want Jesus big and bold and puffed up. And he gets on a donkey. And can I just tell you, we don't like God getting on a donkey very much. Still today, I'm telling you, we don't like it. And here's why we don't like it. Because if that's what our Lord and Savior does, what does it demand of us? Jesus, who on the way to the cross could have called 10,000 angels by his side. He was no victim. No one took Jesus' life from him. He gave it as a ransom to save many that's why Jesus came. You see, the whole time the people have been waiting for this political leader, this military leader, this today it might be this health leader. And Jesus says, that's not why I came at all. You're missing it. Here's the truth. The truth is that God loves you, and yet there's a separation between you and a holy and an awesome God because you've sinned. You have fallen short of perfection. There is now a gap. And on your own, you will never bridge that gap. You are destined for eternity without God. That's why Jesus came. He came to seek out and save that which was lost. Church, he came to rescue us. That's why Jesus came. And we talked about this last week. But when we intentionally follow Jesus, it means we will fish. We will intersect the lives of others. Can I just, this is so, so, so important as you're sharing the gospel of Jesus, make sure that you pause and you know that you are known by the Lord, that you know the Lord so that you can make him known. You need to share the truth about Jesus, not some puffy cloud version of Christ, not what he can do for us and how he wants your best life now or any of that kind of. Jesus came so that we would surrender to him as Lord. That's why Jesus came and he did it on a donkey. And as he enters into Jerusalem, Mark 10 tells us that the followers of Jesus, they were afraid. They were afraid because they heard the rumblings. This tension is at a spot to where it's almost tangible. You can almost grab a hold of the tension. And in verse 17, it says, the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. They continued to fish, didn't they? They told the truth of the gospel. Verse 18, the reason why the crowd went to meet him was uh, that they had heard that he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, see that you're gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Look, everybody, the whole world has gone after Jesus. That's not true, is it? The whole world hadn't gone after Jesus. 
just imagine what the world would be like today if the whole world had gone after Jesus. Like, do you see conflict today? Do you see division? Do you see discord? Do you see tensions? Yeah, that, that wouldn't be the case. We would see humbleness. We would see meekness. We would see gentleness. We would see love. We would see truth. We would see justice. We would see righteousness. That's what we would see. And can I just tell you that because that's what the world isn't like right now, that we've got to start right here. This is where it starts. And then it should continue on throughout our region. It should continue through our world. And what the world should see is the fruit of the Spirit. So Christian, I want to ask you, those who are watching online, when the world looks at you, do they see joy? Is that what they, do they see joy in your life that says, I know the world's got conflict, but I'm, I'm not going to be beat down by the world. I'm going to have joy in my life. Do people see peace in you? How about patience? And I mean the kind of patience that says, I don't agree with these rules. I think these rules are dumb. I mean, like even in that spot, do people see patience in you? Do they see kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control? Is, is that what the world sees? Because that's who Christ has called us to be. We are supposed to follow in his steps. And here's what I love is when you look at Matthew chapter 28, Verses 19 and 20, where Jesus says, go and make disciples. Make disciples of all the nations. Church, this is what we are a part of. And you see the picture of where this is going. We continue to gather together, sharing our time, our talent, and our treasure together. We do this so the gospel can continue to advance, so that we get to Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10, that says, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, this, my friends, is what it looks like for the whole world. Just picture this scene. There were, before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's the gospel we're supposed to communicate. We have to continue to be faithful, not to try to, to bend to a puppy cloud theology that says Jesus is just going to be whatever you want him to be and continue to speak the truth that Jesus is Lord, that he came to seek out and save the lost. He came to rescue us. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for the truth of your gospel. Lord, sometimes it's hard. We, um, we do have our own thoughts. We do have things that we wish. We have things we want. We see the groaning and the aching of the world around us. And Lord, it's tangible. It's real. So I just pray for boldness and faithfulness in my brothers and sisters. That, Lord, we continue to be very intentional with making disciples. But that means that we're going to have to follow you anywhere. We're going to be, have to be willing to get out of the boat and walk with you on the water. We're going to have to be willing to talk to the people in our own homes. We have to be willing to talk to those that we're in school with or in our family or work with. Those that we live next to. Lord, continue to show us what it means to be ambassadors for you. To speak the truth. Lord, I pray for that, that burden sometimes that we feel where we think we have to convince people 
into following you, that Lord, that's just removed. We can't save anyone. We didn't die on the cross, Lord. You did. Our job is to speak the truth and then let the Holy Spirit do the work. So, Lord, let us be bold in speaking truth. Let us be faithful in speaking truth. Continue to grow our faith as we do it. Now, the head's bowed still and eyes closed. I know that's very possible you came in this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus yet. Those of you, there's some watching online probably right now, you've never placed your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I know you have arguments in your head, right? You have these debates. I want you to know that the greatest moment was not when President Reagan said, tear down this wall. It is when Jesus shouted out from the cross, it is finished, and gave his life as a ransom that split the veil in two, opening the way to, for us to have an everlasting relationship with our Heavenly Father. So here's the truth. The truth is God loves you. He completely loves you. You're a mess. You're an absolute mess. He loves you anyway. And nothing you've ever done, nothing, no matter how good it was, no matter how bad it was, no matter what you've said, no matter what you've done, is too much to take you out of the love of God. God loves you. The problem is those things that we've said and done and thought, it creates a separation between us and God. A separation that on your own, you can't fix it. You can't live a good enough life to undo the sin that's been done. You, you can't. Yet that's what we try to do, isn't it? Well, now I'm going to try to really be good. I'm going to go to church and pastor talked about money a little bit. I'll give some money and I'll pray and I'll, listen, being good doesn't get you to heaven. It's by grace that you're saved through faith, not by work so that no one can boast. You can't be good enough for heaven. That's why we need a savior. That's why we need a rescuer. That's why Jesus came. That void that's there when Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross, he is the bridge through that void. It is through faith in Christ that you get a right standing with God. Have you ever done that? Have you ever stopped and say, Lord, I believe, and I'm placing my faith and my trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior? If you've never done that, I just want to give you a moment to do that right now. Just in the quiet of where you are, down in the overflow room, online, just to be able to close your eyes. It's not a magic prayer. This is between you and God to say, God, thank you for loving me. Lord, I know I've sinned. I know I'm not perfect. And I know that through that sin has caused a separation between you and me. But Lord, I believe that that's why Jesus came and lived a perfect life, a sinless life. He is the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Lord, I believe that he was crucified on the cross, but not only did he have the power of death over death for Lazarus, but he has the power of death when he rose on the third day. I believe he conquered death. He conquered sin and rose again. So God, I'm placing my faith and my trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior today. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for looking at me and seeing someone not so different than Lazarus spiritually. I was dead, but making me alive. Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Amen. I um, I do want to say, if, if that was you today, if you gave your life to Christ for the first time, you've never surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, but today was your day, uh, I'd love for you to tell someone. Stop and grab a staff person. I will be out up front. If you're online, please make sure that you're, you're sharing that with someone there. You can send us an email. I'd love just to talk with you more about what those next steps in your faith looks like. This isn't like a, I made a decision and I'm good to go. The disciples for three years followed Jesus and they still struggled with it. So this is a growing process for us as we continue to do this together. Let's stand as we close our morning and worship together. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.